0: Good morning, everyone. Thank you all for being here today on this Easter 2017 to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a great thing, isn't it? It's greater than that, actually. All right. It's greater than that, too, but we'll leave it there. Uh, if this is your first time at Vineyard Pataskala, we are... Uh, honored to have you with us. If you've been attending here for a few weeks, we're honored to have you with us. Uh, we hope that you'll feel welcomed here. We hope uh, that you will find your experience here meaningful, and we hope that you'll want uh, to return again. And so we're here each Sunday at nine and ten thirty, and uh, you are always welcome here. Uh, I imagine that you have noticed that the world is a mess. Have you noticed that the world's a mess? The political divisions here in the United States are historically bad. Uh, Some say that they are at their worst at any time in our history since uh, the time of the Civil War. Uh, Terrorism is a reality the world over, even in places that you previously would not have expected it. It seems that nowhere is completely safe from being victimized by terrorism. ISIS is a brutal and barbaric force that is uh, bent on subjugating the world to its ideology. And North Korea is threatening virtually everyone with nuclear weapons. Uh, thankfully, every time they try to show their power, their missiles explode about 10 feet off the ground, so that's a, that's a, good, that's a good thing. Uh, but, but they continue to threaten the world with nuclear weapons, human trafficking, is enslaving vulnerable people to unthinkable abuse and revealing the depths of the depravity of mankind. And of course, the list could go on and on, the problems facing the world, the problems facing the people of the world, the problems facing all of us in this room today. And these things really aren't even our biggest and most fundamental problem, at least not according to the Bible. In fact, these things are actually the result of our biggest and most fundamental problem. They flow out of our most fundamental problem. Political divisions, terrorism, threats of war, financial hardships, human trafficking, abortion, and any other thing that you could add to this awful list of things that make up the reality of life on planet Earth are actually symptoms of our biggest problem, our fundamental problem, our real problem, if you will. Mankind's plight... Our real problem that these things are simply symptoms of is that the entire world is enslaved. The world is enslaved by sin. The entire world is enslaved by death. And the entire world is enslaved by the evil one, the devil, Satan. It happened way back in the beginning when our first ancestors, Adam and Eve, threw off God's rule of their lives. They embraced the temptations of the evil one. They disobeyed God. The Bible calls that sin. And in doing so, they unleashed on themselves and on everyone who had come after them the consequences of rebellion against God. God wanted Adam and Eve to obey the limitations he placed on them because he knew some things that they didn't know. He knew that disobedience, sin, is something that cannot be played with. God knew that sin cannot be easily contained. You can't say, I'm going to commit this sin and then I'll be done with sin. That's not how sin works. Once it's unleashed in a person's life, it tends to enslave the person. God wanted Adam and Eve to obey him because he knew that disobedience would subject them to the consequence that comes with disobedience to God, and that consequence is death. And God wanted Adam and Eve, he warned them against disobedience because he knew that if they listened to the voice of the evil one, that if they threw off God's rightful rule, that they would be subjecting themselves to the rule of of the evil one to the rule of Satan. Exercising their free will, Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And with that act of disobedience, they unleashed on themselves and us the enslaving nature of sin. They brought upon themselves the inescapable consequences of sin, death. And they opened up their lives and the entire earth to the enslaving rule of the devil. Every single one of us has a problem bigger than all the symptoms of the problem that we see in the news every day. We are all, apart from Christ, enslaved by sin, powerless against death. We are all living in a world enslaved by and ruled by the devil, which is why the news is filled with all the bad news that it's filled with. And the Bible affirms all of this. This isn't just my opinion. The Bible affirms all of this to be true. In John eight thirty four, Jesus said this, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. According to Jesus, everyone who sins, and that's all of us in here today, is a slave to sin. And maybe you object to this. Maybe you say, Brian, I, I really wouldn't categorize myself as a slave to sin. I, I, don't, I don't think that's true. I don't think I'm a slave to sin. To which I would say to you, okay, prove it. Stop sinning. If you're not a slave to it, stop doing it. Don't ever lust again. Don't ever drink too much again. Don't ever tell another lie. Here's a timely one. Don't ever cheat on your taxes again. Don't ever look at another inappropriate picture online again. Don't ever covet what someone else has again. Well, Brian, I can't live a perfectly sinless life. Right. Because you're a slave to sin. That's why you can't. Jesus said so Jesus said so not only are we slaves to sin but we are subject to the consequences of sin and here's what Romans 6:23 tells us the consequences are it says the wages of sin what you earn when you sin the wages of sin is death adam and eve sinned and they died everyone else since them sinned and they died Jesus did not sin. He died, but He didn't stay dead. He's alive today. And that's why we're here. But everyone else, they sinned, they died, and they stayed dead. You've sinned. And every one of us. If Christ does not return first, we are going to die. It's just a matter of what order we die in. That's the only question but we're all headed toward death. We're captives of death. We can't escape death. So not only are we enslaved by sin and not only are we enslaved by the consequences of sin, but 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 tells us that we're enslaved by the devil. This passage identifies the devil, Satan, as, quote, the God of this age who has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So Satan is the God of this age. And then in 1 John 3, 8, we're told that the one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Not like the one who does what is sinful is just prone to mistakes. Not the one who does what is sinful is really a good person, no matter how much sinning they do. But the one who does what is sinful is of devil. The devil. They belong to the devil. They're enslaved by the devil. He's the God of this age who has enslaved the people of the world. And so understand mankind's plight according to the Bible. We're enslaved by sin, we're enslaved by death, we're enslaved by the devil. We are captive to sin and we cannot get free. We are captive to death and we cannot get away from it, no matter how much kale we eat. We are captive to the devil. We're living in a world that he rules. We are powerless against the sin that he initiated, and we are subject to the death that is his objective for us. We're captives to sin, death, and the devil. And here's another sobering reality of our, of our situation. We have no way of freeing ourselves from this situation. We can't do anything for ourselves. We're without hope. Not only does Romans 6.23 us, tell us that the wages of sin is death, but Ephesians 2.12, in that passage, Paul gives a description of our situation if breaking free from sin, death, and the devil is up to us. And if it's up to us, here's what Paul says, our situation is, two words, without hope. Without hope. This is mankind's plight. The plight that all the problems in the world are simply symptoms of. We're enslaved to sin, death, and the devil, and we're without hope of breaking free. What do you do in that situation? You're a slave and you have no ability to break free. There's only one possibility. But it seems like a long shot. We're powerless against sin, death, and the devil. But what if, what if there was someone who was not powerless against sin, death, and the devil? What if there was someone who had never sinned and so they had never become enslaved to sin? What if there was someone who had never sinned, so they were not powerless against death? What if there was someone who had never yielded to the temptations of the evil one, and so that person had never been enslaved by the devil? They had never come under Satan's rule. Perhaps such a person could help us. Since we're powerless to break free from sin, death, and the devil, our only remaining hope is that there is someone who is better than us, someone who is still on the outside of the prison that we're enslaved in, and because they're on the outside of it, perhaps they can find a way to break us out. Perhaps that person could be our champion, could be our deliverer, could set us free. Perhaps that person could save us From our slavery. And so our plight is that we're captives with no chance, no hope of helping ourselves. So, what we need, the only possible solution, is a champion, a savior, a deliverer. And of course, you all know the story that there's no suspense here. That's who Jesus is. And that's what Easter is all about. Jesus is our champion who never sinned, so he never became a slave to sin. He's our deliverer who never sinned, so he's not subject to the consequence of sin, death. He's our savior who never became enslaved to the rule of the evil one because he resisted every temptation that the evil one threw at him. He's not enslaved like we are. He remains on the free side of the walls that we're imprisoned by. And so he can help us. And so the problem is that we're captives to sin, death, and the devil with no hope of freeing ourselves. Our only chance is for there to be someone greater than us who can be our deliverer, our champion, our savior. That's who Jesus is. That's what Easter is about. Here's who Jesus is. And this is why Easter is such a glorious celebration. Jesus is the one who defeats sin, death, and the devil and sets us free. That's who Jesus is. He's the one who does for us what we can't do for ourselves. Jesus is our champion, our deliverer, our savior. And the story of the Bible From the front cover to the back is about Jesus defeating sin, death, and the devil and setting us free. And so for the next few minutes or so, I want to share six stages of Christ's victory over sin, death, and Satan as they are declared throughout the Bible. Four of these stages have already occurred. One of them is currently in process, and one is yet to come in the future. Here's the first one. Christ's victory over the devil, as well as sin and death, was predicted in Genesis 3.15 when God said to the devil that there was going to come an offspring from Eve who the devil would wound. But this offspring of Eve would crush the devil's head. Here's how it's written in Genesis 3, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, you will strike his heel. This is a prophecy about Jesus who would be the champion, who would come along and who would crush the devil's head. I want you to keep in mind the context of Genesis 3. Adam and Eve have just sinned. The, the first sin that caused God's glorious creation to fall and become subject to sin, death, and the devil had just happened. And so in this moment, when, when, when everything that God created has now fallen and coming into a, come into a state where sin now has taken hold, God says to Satan, you've done a lot of damage here, but you are not going to have the final say. Adam and Eve invited you in, but there is going to come one. There's going to come a champion that will come from Eve that will rise up and utterly defeat you. Christ's victory was predicted in Genesis 3.15 and Christ's victory began with his incarnation and earthly ministry. At the announcement of the birth of Jesus, the angel who told Joseph what would happen said that Jesus would be the one who would, quote, save the people from their sins. The incarnation was the implementation of the plan to defeat Satan and free mankind from sin, death, and the devil himself. And then the plan took a step forward as Jesus began his public ministry. When he entered the public ministry, he did so with this announcement recorded in Luke 4, 18 and 19. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressors, uh, I'm sorry, the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus' own understanding of His mission included that He was proclaiming freedom to prisoners and that He was setting oppressed people free free. So Christ's victory was predicted in Genesis 3. His victory began with his incarnation and earthly ministry, and his victory was decisively achieved at the cross. Here's what John 10, 17, and 18 says. It's a quote from Jesus. It's one of my very favorite passages in the Bible. Jesus said, I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down. And I have the authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. What I want you to see in these verses Is that the cross was not something that was done to Jesus against his will? The cross was the Father's plan. The cross was embraced by Jesus. He went to the cross. He paid the price for our sins because he loves us. And he knew that's what was necessary to set us free from sin, death, and the devil. I want you to see that Jesus was not a victim of the cross. Jesus is our champion. And what the cross was, was his strategy, his battle plan for securing freedom from sin, death, and the grave for all of us. The cross was not done to Jesus because the cross could not be done to Jesus. With one word, he could have summoned 10,000 angels and they would have come and delivered him from the cross. I've always viewed the angels as optional. Because with one word, he could have sucked the breath out of every Roman soldier who was trying to nail him to the cross, and it would have all been over. The cross was not done to Jesus. Jesus owned the cross. It was God's plan to liberate us from the bondage of sin, death, and the devil. Here's what Colossians 2, 13 through 15 tell us. See, all that the cross did, it canceled our sin debt. Our debt of sin, our bondage to sin was nailed to the cross. The cross was God's plan, his strategy for setting us free from sin. I want you to notice verse 15. tells us that through the cross, Jesus disarmed the powers and authorities, making a public spectacle of them. What happened on the cross, like we don't even have to get to the resurrection for this to have happened. It was on the cross that Satan was publicly defeated. That's what happened. The cross was the public defeat of Satan in the sinful world system that he's the ruler of. Notice the last line. Jesus triumphed over the powers and authorities by The cross. The cross was not a defeat. The cross was not a setback. The cross was the means of triumph. The cross was the means of victory. The cross was victory. Christ's victory was decisively achieved at the cross. And Christ's victory was confirmed in the resurrection. Of course, this is what we're here today most specifically celebrating. The resurrection of Jesus confirms his victory over sin, death, and the devil. Acts 2.24, God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Death sure had kept its hold on everyone else who had ever lived. But it could not keep its hold on Jesus because he was sinless. And as such, he could pay the debt of sin for the whole world. Defeat, sin, death, and the devil and set us free. Jesus is our champion, our deliverer, our savior. Who publicly defeated Satan on the cross and had his victory confirmed when he rose to life three days after his crucifixion. And so the resurrection of Jesus is proof of Christ's victory over sin, death, and the devil, which makes Easter our celebration of being set free from sin, death, and the devil. Easter is the celebration of Satan's defeat and our freedom from captivity thanks to our champion, our deliverer, our savior king, The Lord Jesus Christ. These four things, the prediction of Christ's victory, the start of Christ's victory, the decisive achievement of the victory, and the confirmation of the victory, have all already occurred. There's one aspect of his victory that is currently being played out in the world. And that is that Christ's victory is being extended through his church those of us who have been set free by Jesus, he then asks us to join his mission in the world of setting free everyone who will turn to faith in him. And just like Jesus said to Peter in Acts twenty six eighteen, we too are sent to the people of the world, quote, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. This is the mission of every Christian. Extend Christ's victory throughout the world. That's your job. That's your job. That's what we're supposed to be doing no matter where we live, no matter how young we are, no matter how old we are. That's what we're to be doing whether we're men or women. It, it, like, it doesn't matter. All the details of our lives, if, if we're Christian, if that is true of our lives, we are to be about extending God's kingdom in the world. It doesn't matter what your vocation is. Every one of us, no matter our vocation, our primary purpose in this world is to extend the victory of Jesus Throughout this world, Amen. have you joined the mission? Have you joined the mission? Jesus invites you into his mission today. If you have said yes to his salvation but no to his mission, you need to say yes to the mission. He invites you into it today. And here's the last thing that I want to share. At least, at least we're getting close. Christ's victory was decisively achieved at the cross. Confirmed in the resurrection. It's being extended by the church. And here's something that really should excite us if we belong to Jesus. It will be consummated when Jesus returns. The word consummated basically means completed. Have you noticed that even with Christ's victory uh, being achieved on the cross and Confirmed in the resurrection have you noticed that we still struggle with sin? Have you noticed that? you guys just aren't giving me much no head nods nothing have you have you noticed anything are you are you out there are you yeah have you noticed that we still struggle with sin have you noticed that we're still subject to physical death yep You probably noticed all you have to do is turn on the news and notice that Satan is still at work in the world. Even post-cross and resurrection, even Jesus in the Bible affirm that Satan is currently the ruler of this world system. Christ's victory has been decisively achieved and confirmed, but we still live in this in-between time when the power of Christ has broken into the world but the evil one is still at work in the world as well. Christ's rule has come, but it's not come in the fullness that it will someday come. But the consummation of Christ's victory will occur when Jesus returns. I know I'm throwing a lot of verses at you today, a lot of Bible verses, but I got a few more. First Corinthians 15, 24 through 26, then the end will come. When he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. I'm thankful for the cross. I'm thankful for the resurrection. I'm thankful for freedom and the promise of eternal life. And I am looking forward to the consummation of Christ's victory. When this enemy called death is destroyed once and for all and Christ's victory is completed. Friends, that day is coming. And just as certainly as Jesus died and rose again, he will come again. And all who belong to him will live with him forever, freed from sin, freed from death, freed from the devil. Christ is our champion, our deliverer, our savior. Christ is the victor over sin, death, and the devil. 1 John 3, 8, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. You might be here today a slave to sin, but you don't have to stay that way. Because Jesus the Victor has come to destroy the devil's work in your life and to free you from captivity to sin, death, and the devil. Colossians 1:13 and 14: For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us in to the kingdom of the Son He loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He's rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He's rescued us from Satan's rule. He's rescued us from captivity to the devil. John 8, 36, Jesus said, If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus has defeated sin, death, and the devil and secured freedom for every one of us. Christ is the victor. And here's a beautiful thing. He lets us share in his victory. His victory becomes our victory. We do nothing. And we're victorious. Here's what Hebrews 2, 14, and 15 tell us. That Christ shared in our humanity, quote, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Jesus has broken the power of the devil in your life and he wants to free you from the slavery to sin and death, and very specifically, he wants to free you from the fear of death. His victory can be our victory. He lets us share in his victory. 1 Corinthians 15, after telling about the day when Christ returns and the defeat of sin, death, and the devil is complete, tells us in verse 57 that God, quote, gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? He gives us the victory. It's his victory, but he gives it to us. Christ the victor has defeated sin, death, and the devil, but some of us here today are still living in captivity to sin, death, and the devil. Christ is the victor, but we have not shared in his victory And there's only one reason why that's true. We haven't asked to share in his victory. But you can today. If you want to share in Christ's victory and be free from sin, death, and the devil, that is something you can do today. And here's how we do it. We we, we share in Christ's victory when we choose to believe that Jesus is our champion, our deliverer, our savior. When we see him as our only hope. When we make the decision to to trust our lives to Him, to commit our lives to Him, when we recognize Him as the Savior and we ask Him to apply the benefits of His death and resurrection to our lives. Really simply, when we ask Him to let us share in His victory. And if a person wants to do that, the Bible tells us how a person can do that. Romans 10 invites us into Christ's victory this way. It says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And in Romans 10, 13, an amazing verse, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What's them?